Hey, welcome to In This Direction. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is a podcast that's focused on sharing the moments that brought people to where they are today. One moment in our lives or a collection of moments can completely alter the direction our stories take. And this podcast is all about exploring those moments. Because in this direction, there's always a story. My name is Quinn. I am your host. And thank you so much to everyone who checked out the first episode with Andy DeSantis of Polyvinyl. Uh, We had listeners from all over the U.S. as well as overseas. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It truly means a lot uh, that you guys took time out of your day to listen. Really, truly. I really do appreciate it. Uh, If you missed that episode, please do check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but you probably might already know that if you're listening to this. So anyways, uh, on to today's business. Uh, Today, I'm excited to share with you episode number two of In This Direction with the one and only the lovely Caroline Barola of Clarion Call Media publicist extraordinaire and uh, actually I don't think I don't think it's fair to just simply label her a publicist because when you hear everything that she's done and she's done a little bit of everything and and still does anyways I've been fortunate enough to know Caroline for many many years now but this was uh, the first time that we were really I really got to hear her backstory and and what's so interesting to me is how she's really shaped her career herself um, she's really just figured it out along the way. And, uh, we talked about so many different things from going to a camp, a gymnastics skate BMX camp to, uh, figuring out how to be a publicist, to building PR department, uh, to working records, to, uh, befriending her, her artists. You know, what, what's really amazing about Caroline is the fact that she really takes her work, uh, personally, in the sense that um, she really gets invested in the people that she works with. And um, she's really a storyteller in that way, in that she really wants to get to the heart of what people are all about, um, because that ultimately helps her do her job better. So uh, enough of my blabbing. You didn't come here to listen to me talk. You came here to hear Caroline's story. So without further ado, here is episode number two of In This Direction with Caroline Barolo. What was your first memory uh, when you like really connected with music? Wow. I mean, I guess like there's always been like music in my house as a kid. Like I've seen home movies of like me as like a two year old singing the song to like the Muppet show. And then as like, you know, like a five year old, like dancing around the house to like Madonna songs, you know, like I definitely remember like a lot of Fleetwood Mac growing up and like Stevie Nicks and Jim Morrison, like things like that with my mom and my dad. I did gymnastics my whole life and the summer camp that I went to was gymnastics, skateboarding, BMX. So like we would all watch like all these like skate videos all summer. So a lot of like the stuff that I found as like a 12 year old was like from like skate videos, you know, like I said, like Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, the mamas and the papas. My parents were big hippies. Like my dad went to Monterey pop, you know, things like that. Wow. Okay. Um, so it was like all kind of there is like the foundation and then, you know, kind of figuring it out as you, you know, develop into your own person. Like, but yeah, like I feel like 12 and 13 was like definitely like a big learning curve for me like I feel like yeah like I said like I found a lot of weird things when I went to like gymnastics camp 
I remember every night, like behind our cabin that we slept in, um, was like one of the, the skate parks that like all the BMX guys would like skate in at night. And I remember they would play 13 songs every night. And that was like what we would like, you hear that bass and you're like falling to sleep to that as like a 12 year old. And you're like, what is this? Like, and it was funny. Cause like, I remember early on and when I started doing PR, like this kid that I know he did like some of the licensing for the BMX videos that I grew up watching. And he like, I remember the first time, like I ever got a song and I was like, Oh my God, this is like how I found so many bands. Yeah. So was that like, so, cause there's like a lot of music there, right? Was there, was, was that Fugazi record? Was that like the first time it really clicked for you? Like, I remember I'd heard music before, but I remember hearing uh, one arm scissor by at the driving on the radio and just like, what is this? Yeah. Like, and I just, that, yeah. that connection, was there a particular band or song that was like, you, you went, Oh, there's something here. That's like completely changing my mind. Um, I mean, like, cause they would always, it was like 13 songs was that they were, they would play like, every night and I remember when I found out what it was like I went home and I was like where do I get this because it's like 1994 you know so it's like um you can't really like pull up Spotify or the internet um so I remember like going to some like random record store in like Doylestown Pennsylvania probably and like getting it there I think Siren Records or something and I remember um Super Chunk Shallow End was another one that was in a video and I really I just loved that song and then I heard Sonic Youth, Bull and the Heather was one of the first Sonic Youth songs that I heard. And I heard that on WDRE in Philadelphia. Um, and that was a song where I was just like, whoa, what, what is this weird woman? Like, you know, like, um, and that made me really kind of dig into the Sonic Youth catalog. And I was probably 12 or 13. Because you're originally from Philly, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. were you ever involved in like, I don't know what the scene was like in Philly back in the day, but was there like, were you involved in that at all? Were there local bands you sort of got into? Was it pretty much like you were, you know, it was, it was the Sonic Youth, the Fugazis, the, you know, going to the record stop? Yeah. Record um, I mean, I really wasn't super involved in like music on that level, I don't think, until like college probably. Like, I remember there was, like, a group of friends where we thought we were so cool because we went to, like, Lollapalooza, you know? Which, like, I guess as, like, 14-year-olds is cool. Like, we saw, like, Weezer play a show before, like, when the Sweater song came out. Like, the bands that we saw, it was, like, they were kind of on the verge of making it big. Like, they weren't quite there yet. I remember, like, I put, like, purple streaks in my hair and was wearing a Soundgarden t-shirt and thought it was, like, so cool. Like, um, but Sonic Youth played and Hole and Super Chunk and... Um, Elastica, like, I think they replaced Sinead O'Connor, maybe, I think, on that tour. Moby played, like, I got a cassette from Moby, like, (laughs) but I remember, I remember, like, seeing a lot of, like, the bands on some of the smaller stages and kind of being like, this is cool, you know, like, kind of even then being, like, in, like, more of the personal, you know, like, being closer to the bands, I still thought that was cool. High school wasn't really the time that I was, like, how I need to like seek out all this underground music. It was just not, not really what I did. Was, so was it in college then that you realized like, I want to do something in music or what was the point or or did you, I mean, you've pretty much done publicity pretty much your entire career, right? Yeah. Some way, shape or form. Was it, so was it always like, this is what I want to do? Cause if, if I know anything from looking at Twitter, like your Twitter feed, like vineyard, it's very, very tough 
profession for sure. So like what made you sort of decide, was it, oh, I'm definitely going to be a publicist or were you going to be a, a, a skater gymnast? No, I, I was actually going to be a journalist. Wow. Um, so yeah, um, I went to college in DC and I went to like a bunch of Fort Reno shows. I got to see Fugazi. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Like that was like, I loved it. You know, there was this weird little church too in like College Spring, Maryland or College, yeah, College Park? College, college Park, Park yeah. yeah. College Park, yeah, Silver Spring, College Park. College Park, Maryland, where they would do like all these shows and like they saw like a super early Get Up Kids show and like Rainer Maria and like Just to Brazil. And I remember we would always like take like the red line to the very end, have to like cross through these weird like train tracks to get there. Like it was like such an adventure as like an 18 year old. And, you know, I, I wrote for the college newspaper and um, I did a lot of album reviews and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't necessarily know I like wanted to um, work in music. That was not like I didn't really know you could do that. I mean, like I took like drum lessons for college credit, like <laughs> probably the most expensive drum lessons you'll ever take. But yeah, I mean, I I was doing a lot of writing. I was doing like a lot of freelance writing. I, um, you know, was reviewing shows for the newspaper and, and also the CDs and things like that. I was always making like, because I did crew in college and I was always like making really annoying mixtapes for the drives and people were just like, like anytime I meet, I got to like make a mix. People were just like, it's going to be weird. Yeah. So ended up doing a lot of writing for some magazines at the time. Like I did, I like contributed to CMJ a bunch. I contributed to Rock File when that was still a magazine and Magnet and Devil in the Woods and Amplifier. And um, I really loved doing that. And then I was working at a nonprofit in D.C. They hired me after I graduated and it was the National Committee for Responsive Philanthropy, which is basically like a watchdog organization um, that kind of makes sure that all the charitable giving that organizations say they're doing actually is being distributed properly. And I just kind of knew that really wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was like, wow, I got a job out of college. Cool. You know, and I don't know. I, I ended up applying to do an internship at Steam Day magazine when that was still a magazine. So there were two magazines at the time. So there was a monthly magazine and a weekly magazine. And I was hired to be the editorial assistant at the weekly magazine. And the week that I was supposed to start my job, so I'm like 22 and I'm living in New York. I'm like, yeah, I got ma-. like I majored in journalism and I, you know, I love music. So I was like, this is perfect. I like a job in my like what I got my degree and it's gonna be amazing. I'm 22 in New York. It's great. And the day I was supposed to start my job, they decided they were going to merge the two magazines into one. So the essentially the weekly magazine got absorbed by the monthly magazine. Um, and so my job was cut before I really even start so that was a thing that I was just like what and so they were like you know we have to give you some sort of job you know we can't just like totally screw you over um so they gave me like this like data entry job um entering radio charts and they were like but you still get to you know write occasionally for the magazine I was like, okay like you know here's like this hourly data job versus you know and then I was like How, what do I do so I also was doing an internship at um, AAM and they did college radio at the time. And they like, that was yeah like 2003 ish. And um, they didn't have a PR department at all. I was just doing radio on the internship and 
there were a lot of other companies at the time that offered like packages for um, press and radio. And they were like, you know, people, do you want to start our PR department? And I was kind of just like, oh, what's that mean? But okay. Um, I was like, if you're offering me a job, sure. So, you know, there was no infrastructure in place. There was really nothing like they didn't, it didn't exist, you know? So it was basically like do a cheap PR campaign to establish yourself and figure it out. So it was like a lot of picking people's brains that would let me and um, a lot of sitting in Barnes and Noble and like by NYU and going through all the music magazines and like writing down everyone's name on the masthead and like making a database of some sort and, you know, hoping that people respond to my emails and not even really knowing how to reach out to people and doing weird physical mailings and and then yeah one of the first big ish bands that I worked less than six months into it was I worked at the last human not you record which I feel like power which I feel like people like started to finally answer my emails it was definitely a lot of hustling it was definitely a lot of like you know figuring it out like it's funny because um Dan Sue, who was at Polyvinyl before Seth was in his job, um, like I picked his brain a ton about stuff. I took to, you know, Fernando, Stu Fernando, who was at Vagrant Forever. I talked to him a lot, um, you know, just like trying to figure out that, that balance of being like, who is your person at this outlet before, you know, there were Facebook groups, there were Slack groups and, you know, all that stuff without you know, stepping on too many toes, you know, and I was also still writing a little bit at the time and I was doing some bios and things like that. Also, um, like, when did I sleep? Like, so was, I mean, it was definitely a lot of work. And then I got to a point where, um, I was booking late night TV when I was at that job and I kind of, um, felt like I had reached a ceiling. Like I, that, I don't know if you remember that band, um, Georgie James. Oh yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. 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 They were my first late night booking. Um, awesome. they, they were on the, old NBC Conan show and I just kind of felt like I had reached a, a ceiling at that job where I was like I'm doing this without like any guidance you know like how do I how do I move on from here and then um my friend um Anna she worked at Fat Cat she knew that Judy at Motormouth was looking for people and so I interviewed for that job and I had interviewed for and then before that I interviewed for a job at Sub Pop and you know, they ended up hiring internally, um, but they were like, if anything changes, we want you here. But so I did this interview with Judy and then I just moved. <laughs> um, yeah. So I ended up in LA and here I am. Yeah. I remember, cause I think I started talking with you when I was doing mixtape muse when you were at Motormouth. Mm -hmm. huh? Yeah. What, um, yeah. so it's interesting though, like you, it sounds like I don't want to say directionless, but it sounds like you were really trying to figure things out, like in that in those early that, that early gig. What 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 kept you going? Because you just joked a second ago that you weren't sleep. Like, when did I sleep? You yeah, know? like looking back, I'm just like, wow. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think like I. It was there wasn't a lot of guidance. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I like directionless. I feel like at times yes, for sure. You know, it was like. The college radio guy like he just came at it from such a different way where he was just like you gotta call people and i'm like eh. like he's like do people have office hours and i was like this person at vogue doesn't have office hour you know it's like what um what kept me going um i mean i was so young i was like 23 you know it's like i wanted a job i wanted to do well i wanted you know and i also think 
back in those days, it was like actually like seeing things you care about in print was really cool. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I remember the first time I had a cover and I saw it and I was like, this is so cool. Like I know this person, you know, even if it wasn't anybody important of like outside of your world, it was still just like, you know, it's cool, you know? And it's also like, you're really helping someone do what they love, you know, by doing something that you love. So it's kind of like a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're at a a concert, really, really loud, hard to hear. And someone's like, so you're a publicist. What does that mean? Like, what do you shout to quickly describe? Like what, what is a publicist? Like, how would you describe it? I mean, wow. I don't know. It's like, it's such a funny question. I'm like, already like I have this like visual in my head. And for some reason they're asking me in the Bowery ballroom. I don't know why. Um, but um, I mean, I think like, how do you tell people? I, you just get people to talk about people's music. I don't know. Like, and that's a really terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you mentioned about like bands typically are uh, like not like struggle with the sort of self-promotion. Why, yeah, do, sure. why do you think that is? I mean, I think it's hard. I think it, like in general, like self-promotion is hard. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to not be like, feel like gross about it. You know, like it's such a fine line. And I think when it's, it's also when it is your own art, you're very attached to it and you think it's great no matter what, you know, and you are like, oh my God, why won't, why won't they talk to me about it? Why won't they write about it? You know? And it's like, there's so many bands out there. There's so much competition. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like the best record ever. And Kanye puts out a record the same day. It's like, there goes that, you know? Um, So I do think that it is really hard for people to self-promote just because, you know, there's so many different layers to it where it's like the attachment. It's just, you know, that's why they're paying us, you know? Yeah. I will say that like, so I don't do music for a living. Like I work, I do video photo, like creative um, content for a living. And uh, just in the music I make and like trying to put it out there, like one, yeah, it is like tough to sort of promote yourself if you're not the kind of person that's like, yeah, it's awesome. Listen to it. But yeah, I think the one thing that I realized, like as I really started to put more music out in the past year is, and I'm not trying to like blow smoke here or anything but it's the value of a publicist because i don't think especially nowadays and you know just trying to get your stuff out there and like you said you know even back in the day it's like there's a lot of hustling it's not just like release the music and send it out and it's people are going to pick up so like today what would you say what is what does it mean to be a publicist in in 2020 and 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 you know with social media and and a completely different landscape than when you started Oh my God. It's so different. Like it's, it's wild. Um, you know, just like looking back at some of the things that like developing bands got back in the day compared to what they're getting now is like, wow. You know, it's like Voxtrot. Like I worked Voxtrot and like that band was all over and it was, you know, that band was essentially, I feel like broken by blogs. And I don't necessarily think that happens as much these days. Like, you know, maybe it does, but I feel like it, it doesn't in the way that it did in like the early 2000s, 2000 before prior to 2010. I don't think it happens in that way. I mean, I think a lot of it is keeping people's expectations in check. You know, I think especially during this pandemic, there have been so many layoffs. There have been people doing, you know, in the beginning it was like every, like everyone was covering live streams, like NPR had their live stream roundup, like, 
you know, flood, everyone like had those things that they were covering the live streams and like NPR stopped doing that in June. You know what I mean? And now it's like, you're not going to get that. You know, it's like this time you're just getting in their new music Friday, Spotify playlist, but it's like, that's still cool. You're still going to get a lot of plays. You know, there are fewer, you know, especially for new artists. It's like, you know, I, I do think there is a value in doing premieres for developing artists, but it's like, you know, you're not going to get, you know, a pitchfork premiere. They just don't, they don't do that, you know? So I think making sure that you're on the same page from the start, I think is really important. And just like communicating, you know, communicating with the artists that you work with where it's like, okay, like, you know, here's our top five targets we're going to start with. Okay. These five didn't bite. Like let's brainstorm on what kind of meets in the middle and go from there. Um, that's definitely something that I really try and do. And like, cause I, I think that especially now PR, it's just, it seems it's really hard to gauge like actually what we're doing. And sometimes if people don't get the results, they don't think we're doing the work. So I think just kind of really communicating with people and really, you know, like, and people are like, what was the feedback? Why did they pass? And it's like, we're lucky we got an email back from them sometimes, you know? So it's like, you know, making sure that you're just really trying, you're, you're, you know, representing whoever it is, you know? And, And now it's like, even more so it's like, you know, so many bands are self-releasing and they're paying out of pocket. So it's like, you know, I feel like it's only fair to just tell them as much as you can, even if it is, even if it doesn't seem like a lot of information to you, it's a lot of information to them. Sure. Well, it's, it, there's certainly like a confluence of factors that I think have changed the landscape of sort of what you do, but okay. it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like I, you know, I've been out of like the blog game, if you will, for, for many years now, but I remember back in like the early two thousands, there was, so many there's said the gramophone there was you know there's so many different blogs out there and you know i have to imagine even not being in it anymore that it sounds like that's not so much the case where people aren't really doing maintaining blogs like they used to and so i have to imagine that that's also changed the way that like your approach to like where are that where are the outlets to actually like talk to now yeah definitely i mean i think like the outlets have changed you know where it's like cool, we're going to like aim for, you know, noisy NPR stereo gum. And it, but it's like, Hey, there's also these like cool new blogs where they are true music fans, you know? And I think sometimes that's really cool to give those people a chance. Cause who knows where they're going to end up? Like, you know, there's a handful of writers that write for noisy. And it's like, I remember, you know, eight years ago when this guy had like a blog spot and he was just happy that, you know, anybody was responding to him, you know, it's like, you never know where those people are going to end up. And, I feel like a lot of those smaller sites, it's like they are true music fans and they're going to write something outside of just copying and pasting a press release. So even though if it's like not the biggest numbers, you know, chances are they're going to turn someone onto your music, you know? And it's like, I think like that's definitely like looking at press reports. I think it's like, you know, something that is really interesting just to see like the mix of like, cool, you're in the NPR, like new music Fridays playlist. And it's like, and then like 10 small blogs wrote about you, you know, it's being willing to give some of these smaller outlets a chance to, whereas opposed to like passing on things, because I don't think, you know, I mean, unless you're, you know, I don't know, a huge artist right now, you shouldn't be passing on anything. I mean, there's a couple of really cool podcasts that I love working with. They're on the smaller side, but they're true fans, you know, and they really love music. And I think it's going to make for a good conversation and it's going to make for a good interview. So why not do it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting to like even over the years in terms of like you're talking about like true music fans and everything that um, there's and I think this is just a sort of more commentary on just the general our general society. But, you know, it's like the, the flash in the pan or like the buzz. But like, is the buzz really going to build that foundation that you want to build from? Really? Totally. Um, what so yeah. it's interesting too like you mentioned the podcast thing um and i also understand the irony of me asking on a podcast about podcasts but um is 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 that sort of like the i don't want to say the hot meat like what is what is the sort of primary sort of medium that you approach now or is it kind of just every everything honestly to get coverage yeah it's it's definitely like a combination of things you know i think like spotify playlists have definitely changed the game you know we always get asked like do you pitch these things and it's not really something we pitch it's like oh cool nylon wrote about you and if they have their new music friday roundup let's see if they'll throw it in there you know like so you know on the editorial side it always kind of goes back to if there's like a music or a press outlet that has a playlist then let's get them to throw it in there but that's definitely a question that we're always asked it's like what about playlists um you know but i think people are really down to do podcasts you know because it's a conversation and like a lot of other people don't necessarily want to do interviews. Like I don't feel like a lot of music blogs are like doing interviews with newer artists. So it's like the podcast has kind of taken the place of that when you can get them done, you know, and when people want to do those things. Yeah. I remember speaking of interviews um, that reminds me of one of my, one of my favorite artists, one of your artists, uh, we were promised jetpacks. Yeah. And I remember doing an interview just over email. Um, but it's it's interesting that you like so when you talk about doing interviews, is it is it that sort of artists don't want to do the interviews that are sort of like question answer, question answer? They want to have more of sort of the conversation. Is there a difference? Like I've always not to like to to toot my own horn here or whatever, but like I always approach like the interview should be a conversation, right? Versus just like I want to ask you this salacious details about something or like I want to ask you some you know, dramatic question. Like, is there a difference right. for artists in terms of like they're going to do an interview versus right. even do a podcast? I, I'm trying to remember that we were from a show packs interview. I bet it was Adam and he didn't write write very good answers. No, um, no. I, was, <laughs> I mean, I, re, I, I remember just like the fact that like I got to enter, you know, talk to you know, at least you know get email responses from Adam was was cool. So yeah, I mean, I think that just like a lot of sites just don't have the bandwidth to do the interviews anymore. So I don't even think it's a matter of like email interviews versus, you know, phone or zoom. I mean, I just, I just don't think that the opportunities are there on like a, like developing artist level to do interviews the way they used to be, you know, like, I just feel like before people were just so much op more open to hearing new things and it wasn't like, everything was for clicks and you know it, it feels like that is definitely a huge part of it now you know outside of like some small there are definitely there's definitely like smaller blogs that want to do the interviews and it's that's great and it's probably 50 50 in terms of what i get asked for more or less 50 50 in terms of the way people do interviews one of yeah. one, one of the things that I, I i never realized until a few years ago about about publicist is you know when you change agencies i didn't realize that like your artists come with you what what like why is that the case and is it more of just like you build up that rapport or like what is it about yeah i mean it doesn't always work that way but i feel like i've been lucky and that my artists have always gone with me um will give people an option you know there's obviously like some bands where it's like 
I've done all the work and there is no connection to anyone else at a job. Like, like wire is one of them where it's like, no one, no one else I've ever worked with has like emailed with wire, you know, it's like wire they're they're my people, you know, you know, same with the we are promised jetpacks, you know, it's like, I've worked with them, you know, I've worked with your promised jetpacks from day one, you know? So it's like, even when the move from clearing call or from big house to clearing call, it's like, pretty much everyone moved over with us uh, you know we gave everyone the option i think there was maybe one or two that stayed behind but they had worked with other people there so it was kind of like you know normally it's like you're the person that takes the lead and um kind of goes from there and it's always like i've definitely always given people an option like you can stay with this company or go with me you know and they will mostly come with me <laughs> And, and it, I mean, it seems like, too, that, um, you know, because I think you you especially notice like when you like move jobs that the artists are going with you. So like it really does seem like you have a strong relationship with your artists. And I'm thinking about what you said a little bit ago about, you know, helping the artists, like making those connections, like helping them promote their art and like and, and, and that level of satisfaction and, and getting it out there. Um, yeah. it, so, so it almost seems like you take it. I mean, obviously it's a job, right? But you seem like you really care about it's it's more than that for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I feel like I've had like definitely a handful of like long term clients. Like I've worked with Wire, I think, since two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Wow. <laughs> like absurd. Yeah. Um like in the beginning of this, like I've talked to Colin and his wife on the phone and we were just like, because we were cause they canceled the West Coast tour and and we were just like, let's catch up, you know, like his wife loves my dog's Instagram, you know, it's like, I definitely feel like developing those relationships is really important, you know, and even like brands that I don't work with anymore, like I still talk to like the thermals, you know, it's like those relationships, they mean a lot, you know, and I think also like getting to know your artist too, it's like, it's, it's huge. And like, I always try and ask like questions off the bat, like when I even start working with the band, I'm like, what do you do outside of making music? Like, do you have any hobbies that might be interesting to write about? Like what, what else can we pitch? Because at this point there's like, you know, the options for music press, there's pretty limited. So it's like, if you do something like weird, let's capitalize on it. If we can, you know, it's like, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't like some people, people are like, I don't know. I just hang out at home and play guitar and sit with my cat. And you're like, well, cool. Um, but sometimes people are like, well, like I was like a pro surfer until like two years ago and I broke my leg and you're like, what? So it's like, let's get you in a surfing magazine. Duh. You know, it's like, you know, like Dan Deacon, like he's like a Marvel nerd. And when he was in New York, he did the Marvel podcast, you know, like paste and a bunch of other magazines. It was do like Mother's Day, Father's Day issues. So it's like, if I know like, okay, you know, I had these three bands that have families, bam, you know, and it's like, I don't need to be like sending out emails and being like who has kids you know and then also I look like an idiot because it was like I don't know you have like four kids you know so if I like know those things kind of from the start um it's always helpful you know or like I'm working on a vegan cookbook I'm like great I have like three vegan bands you know so yeah so I always like do kind of ask for those like details you know like one of the cool things like a couple of years ago when I worked with Big Harp um they used to take their kids on tour with them and um and i don't even i'm trying to remember how it even happened but we put an npr writer in the van with them 
and they went laid, like the guy was literally like i want to go on the road with them and i was like what and like he went on the road with them for like three shows and like he did like an all things considered piece on like how to tour with children and it was like so strange but like i remember by the end like they were making like like the kids were like making him like spaghetti necklaces and like doing all these like weird games in the car with this guy (laughs) it's just like okay things like that where you can it makes it more fun too versus just like the same email interviews over and over again like i don't ever think we're promised jetpacks will have an interesting answer as to where the band name came from like for the rest of my life i'll be get asked that question and be like no <laughs> yeah i feel i mean i feel like they're there for every band there's that one question you know it's oh, just, it's, it's, it's yeah it's interesting <laughs> too like you know hearing you talk about talking to wire you know the family on tour or whatever that, uh, that there's I, it seems like what happens a lot nowadays too, like with Spotify and streaming and like music just becoming this sort of like, we don't want to be alone. So we put it on in the background, but we're really not very tuned into it. And not that like people don't, you know, follow their favorite artists on Instagram or whatever, but it it's interesting, like hearing you talk about some of these things and sort of like, I don't want to say behind the scenes sorts of things, but there's so much more to like the artists that, you know, it's like, yeah, you see Instagram, but like there's there there I don't know, like this is it's such a cliche thing to just say out loud about like they're they're more than what you see online, but it's uh it it what's always struck me about you know listening to you talk about your experiences and everything and then thinking about like over the years just seeing things on online that like other publicists that I've been in touch with have shared is the level of community that exists that I don't think is necessarily grasped by most people that like it is like a large support network because I think obviously for years the music industry is like it's been really really tough and even even you know back in the early 2000s it wasn't like yeah we're like rolling it and everything you know so it's like I feel like that level of community has really kept people going and it's not like you know when I asked you before about what's kept you going and it's really just like there's so much to do it, it, you can spread yourself very thin, but like there at the, at the end of the day, it's that like the people that you get to work with. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I also feel like really lucky, like Chris and Tito are great, you know, um, like I talked to Tito probably like, I don't know, like 27 times a day, you know, it's like he updates me on family matters every day. Um, that's his quarantine show. <laughs> Um, I was just about to ask him, like, do you mean his own family matters or the 1990s television program? That too. Uh-huh. He, he watches it every day. Hey, um, so every day he sends me a text about it. Great and show. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm here. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's great. And, like, you know, Vineyard, too, like, we talk all the time. Um, maybe a little bit less because he has family. But, um, you know, I mean, like, I definitely feel really lucky that those are my my people um you know and even like big castle it's like we still talk to them you know um like ken like we did um when bonnaroo when it was supposed to be the first day of bonnaroo like we all did a zoom with everyone that normally was at bonnaroo and that was really fun um so i mean i think even among publicists you know there's obviously there is a rivalry you know and people are always up for the same records but i think that like especially like people that kind of came up in like the early 2000s like I feel like there is still a little bit of a community and I think also because we've seen such a drastic shift in the way our jobs get done 
we kind of like feel for each other. There is like a Slack group that a bunch of us like kind of like complain and gossip and also like support each other in. So that's, I mean, that's really great. And like, we also did like a virtual happy hour in the beginning of all of this. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely feel like those things are really helpful, you know, and people that get it and people that see like, you know, as much as you like pitch and as hard as you work, like sometimes it just, you know, the results just aren't what you're looking for or it's like you get no results, you know, and like people that are there to be like, we know you did it. Like you worked so hard, you know, it's like, that's really nice, you know, and like really need that sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the music industry too, it's like, you got the bands that can like relate to one another being on tour away from families. And then there's like, there's the publicist world of like, you guys are like, yeah, we can, we can commiserate about, I sent 500 emails today and one person replied and asked to get on the guest list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, I also think like, you know, a lot of smaller bands, sometimes the publicist is the only person on their team, you know, and it's, it's good and bad. Like it's good because you can kind of give it a little bit of direction. Um, but it's, can be really tough because if things don't work out well, you're the first one that gets blamed. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's like definitely hard. And like, I've definitely have turned down clients where I'm like, you need to like have a story to tell, you know, it's like your music's great, but you don't need to pay me, you know, it's like, you know, you need to like establish a fan base locally you need to let you can reach out to a handful of blogs yourself, you know, and then, you know, six months from now, come back, you know? Um, Cause sometimes it's, you know, it doesn't really seem right when people aren't necessarily ready for it. You know, even if the record is great, it's like, you know, it's a waste of your time and their money, you know? Yeah. Well, so. sort of on that, like what, yeah. what would be something that like most people would be surprised about, about like what you do that, you know, people might not know or would be shocking. And like, I had no idea that a publicist like did that. I mean, I feel like ha- helping craft a story is like a huge part of what we do. You know, I think that, you know, people just think like, okay, I have this great record, go to town. And it's like, well, what else you got? You know? Um, so I think, you know, helping people like, create a bio where it makes people want to listen to it, want to ask questions. It's like, what is the story behind these songs? You know, I think really helping people create something that like can be marketed to people and to make people be receptive to it. I think that that's like a huge thing that people don't always take into consideration. They just, you know, it's like they worked for two years on this record and they're like, I got the record done, go. And it's like, do now, you know, like, how are we going to promote this? So, yeah, I think that's definitely something that people don't always think about. I think, well, and I, and I think just even stepping back from that, um, I was reading something, uh, I was actually on Twitter, of course, the other day about someone was saying that, uh, you know, you spend two years working on a record and it's a document, document of a moment in time for you. It's a very emotional journey. And then you release it and someone decides whether it's good or bad. And it's like, it's not the artist isn't, it's not good or bad. It's like, this is something that I made like emotional journey and everything. And so it's interesting that that's one facet of it. And then like you're saying, like crafting that story and it's to launch an album. I don't think a lot of people, right. people just think like, I made the album, I got a press, it's being released, whatever. It's fine. It's like how much work goes into actually getting a project out there. 
Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, and I think that that's something that I think don't be afraid to take it slow. You know, I think that that's something that people don't necessarily do. Like, unless someone like, you know, absolutely states like, Hey, like this is the case, you know, it's like, we are not releasing this record on November 3rd because it's the election, you know, it's like, um, so it's things like that where it's like, you know, if you are hiring a publicist or manager or whoever you're going to work with, like being open to like other people's like strategies and ideas in terms of, you know, letting go a little bit of the control, I think can sometimes be hard for people. Um, even if they do like come to hire somebody, it's like, but this is what I wanted to do. And it's like, well, this is what's going to make sense, you know, in our world. Um, so I think just kind of, you know, being open and willing to sit on things a little bit, you know, I think is important. I, I, I totally understand like, you know, it's been done for so long and you have like 17 other songs, but you know, if you're going to pay somebody, let's be strategic about it as well. What are, uh, in, in terms of like, you know, cause you've been at this for a while now, what, what are some of the projects or some of the artists, uh, or, you know, some of the launches that you've, you've done that you look back fondly on and go like, this was this, you know, either it was like a very pivotal moment in your career or you really like, it meant a lot to you for a specific reason. Wow. I mean, I think I have a lot. Um, I mean, like we are promised jetpacks is definitely one that I'm like, Wow. Like, I feel like I really worked hard on that and I feel like people got it. You know, I think there's a lot of really cool things about that band. You know, there's like something about them too, where it's like the music is great. They're charming. You know, it's like, they're silly, you know, they have stories to tell, you know, and like that first tour, like that was really huge. Cause it was like, you know, the first time they came to the U S they were first to three and eventually they were second of three, you know, and they grew a lot. And, you know, that was definitely a learning experience for me too. Um, so that's definitely one that really sits really close to me. I mean, thermals always, those were really fun records to work on. There were some really funny day, like, you know, with both of those bands, it was like days of like having press days for bands where it's like, you go to New York and there are photo shoots for them. And there's, TV interviews. That's cool too. Um, you know, Georgie James is always like a good one just cause I mean, they're an amazing band and they did a lot of really cool projects. Like they did the first NPR project song, um, which was needed for an Emmy. Um, you know, they did, they were my, my first late night booking, you know? Um, so that's definitely, and Q not you, that was like, you know, one of the first bands that I really worked with and, um, they really trusted me, you know, because I, I was like a kid and didn't really have much experience and they were, a, you know, a relatively established band at that point. And, you know, they definitely probably could have had other options and that was a really, really good one. I mean, Corin Tucker was really cool too, um, from Slater Kinney and Quasi and yeah, I mean, like I also like Haley Bonner was another fun one to work on because I, I really love her music and like people really got it. You know, Azure Ray is one that I have right now and that's great too. So many, you know, like Dan Deacon because so goofy. And like, you know, when I worked with Dan, like he was kind of at a weird place where he was like between managers. And so I was definitely doing a lot and really helping him in other ways outside of just like being a publicist and like, you know, we were at outside lands and like, he would like set me, he sent me like a really 
sincere, like, thank you. And just that goes such a long way because I feel like a lot of people take what we do for granted. And it's just like hearing, like, I remember that, like, it really hit me. And it, like, for me, like, I felt like I really wasn't doing anything outside of what I normally would have done if anybody was in that position. But like, you know, it was like, thank you. I couldn't have gotten through this weekend without you. And I was like, wow. So yeah, so there's things like that, that just kind of, you remember, you know, like, it's like, cool, I'm human too. You know, I feel like sometimes it's like, we do work really hard and people kind of like bark orders at us. And it's like, we're people too. So yeah, I think those are some of the ones that really stick out. I'm sure there's like tons of others. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I feel like asking someone in the music world who's working, like, it's, it's such a loaded question. It's like, what, where do I begin? Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, and like, there's, you know, and also like some of those bands that you worked with like a while ago, it's like, you know, you have those press days and you get to hang out with them for the whole day. And like, you have all these like silly jokes, you know, it's like, you know, like I remember when we, when Jetpacks played Coachella first weekend, they played Coachella, it was like 115 degrees or something like that. Like I remember driving in and passing this bank and like, it had like 115 at like 10 in the morning and and they were playing like two in the afternoon on like the out, outdoor theater stage. And like, I just remember all of them being like, we've never been in heat like this, let alone played in heat. Like, and you're just like, yeah, okay. And I, I like left the um, trailer and I was like, I'm going to go find friends out in the field somewhere. And I came back in like three minutes and was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And they were like, you don't have any friends here. They were like, we are your only friends. Like, okay. So now like every time I see them, like, my friends, I, like, it's so lonely. <laughs> So it's just like, you know, it's like dumb things like that, that you just geek out on. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, it makes you pitch things differently too. You know what people are into, you know? I'm curious too, like you think back to those days where like Mamas and the Papas and Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. and then Fugazi, Sonic mm-hmm. Youth. And then you think about where you are now, mm-hmm. like what goes through your head? Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's not like you, when you were 12, you're like, I'm going to be a music publicist and I'm going to be at Coachella yeah. and like, yeah. I mean, it's really funny because, like, my mom's friend, she always, like, every time she sees me, she's like, you were such a quiet little kid, and now look what you do. And I'm like, oh, God. You know, like, I really, I mean, I was, like, a shy kid, you know, and I was, like, really into sports, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, looking at my life, sometimes I'm like, how did I end up here? You know, it's like, there's definitely things that I wouldn't change and things that I'm, like, really grateful for, Um, you know, and some of the experiences, like, Okeechobee the festival that we worked on in Florida it was like me and Chris and Tito they, they, they put us they put us all in an RV on site for like um five days and like we know like they were so they really didn't give us any details of like what the RV was going to be like they were just like because it's like Okeechobee it's kind of like Florida's Bonnaroo so it's like pretty much in the middle of nowhere um you know, the year before they had worked it and they put them like in a hotel and the hotel was like two hours away. So they were like, we'll just put you in an RV on site. And we never, like, we didn't know what it meant until we got there. And like, we're like, is Tito going to be on like the table? Also like a bed, but it was so nice. They put us in this like super nice RV and like we're eating Cheez-Its and drinking beer and watching at like four in the morning when we were done working, you know? So it's like things like that. So it's called in this direction and really just about like sort of the path that we take in life. And it was interesting when you said I, you didn't picture yourself here, like sort of the direction that you've taken. And then just in general, like, you know, when we talk, when you were talking about what life is like now and like 
at the start of 2020, none of us thought the direction we would be taking. Doesn't matter what industry we work in. It's like we're here. Yeah. So yeah. what? Where? Like where are you? Like what's next for you? Like what? Where are you headed next? Like what is what is on the horizon for you? Or what are you sort of looking forward to? As much as one could look forward to something in this strange time. I mean, you know, I feel like right now, just in terms of like work, it's like, you know, we're still going, you know, it's great. I mean, I feel like people are kind of finding creative ways to, you know, get music out there. And I think in the beginning at like in March and April, it was like really scary because, well, for so many reasons, but on like the professional side, it was like, you know, so many people had like releases planned around like summer tours. And so they were all just like, wait a minute, we're putting this on hold and we don't know when we're getting started again. And you're just like, cool. You know, I, I just remember like hearing that from like five clients in a row, you know, in one week. And I was just like, whoa, what do we do? You know? Um, and that was really scary because I just thought like, you know, it felt like everyone was dropping like flies in terms of like, you know, work for the next, you know, couple of months. Um, cause it was definitely like a panic for like a month or so where it was like, what am I going to do? You know? And I think that that was kind of just like, okay, it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. <laughs> um, you know, and kind of like trusting that, but, you know, I feel like there's some cool things that I'm, I already have confirmed for next year. So, you know, work-wise that feels great, you know, just like taking care of ourselves the best we can, you know, it's like, that's kind of really the only thing that we have control over. I don't know. I don't really know how to like, it's such a hard question to answer where it's like, I would love to be like, okay, this year I'm going to like, you know, a marathon. I'm going to, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I, you know, you mentioned about you're almost a storyteller, you know, and you, you talk about when you were in college and you were writing in the journalism piece and, and it's almost come full circle back to like the publicist doing journalism in a sense, right? You're helping, you're helping tell those stories and it's, it's, it's coming back and finding ways and like, it's just interesting to hear how that's sort of all sort of shaped up for you. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, there's so many classes that we took on that and it's just like, I guess, I guess it paid off in some capacity. <laughs> like, cool. There's that degree. All right, it work. So, yeah. So la- last question I have is just like sort of parting wisdom. What's, you know, thus far in your life, what's sort of the greatest lesson that you've learned or something that you'd share with really anybody, not, not necessarily someone who wants to get into the industry, but just biggest lesson learned thus far. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've learned like so much, like I don't really have some of this up in one question. Um, I mean, I think just like trust yourself, you know, I think, yeah, trust and believe in yourself. You know, it's, I feel like if it's really obvious when, I don't know, I feel like, you know, it's almost like the fake it till you make it kind of thing where it's like, you know, it like, especially in like, I feel like that's like something like the way that I kind of like learned this job, learned such an open-ended word, but it's like, you know, just going at it until you figure it out or until it works, you know, like there's always like more than one way, you know, like, cause the way that I started is definitely not the easiest, you know? Yeah. Just like believing in yourself and just like trusting your gut. I think that's, I feel like that's something like, especially during this time where it's like, if this doesn't feel right, like I'm not doing it, you know, because I think we're learning like, the world is like insane, you know, like everything's 
crazy around us. And it's like, if this doesn't feel right, like I'm not going to waste my time doing it, you know? So, and I feel like that can apply to anything where it's like, you know, if there's something about this project that doesn't feel right to me, like, you know, the chances are, I probably won't do that great of a job with it and it won't be good for anyone, you know? So it's like really kind of leaning into that, like inner voice (laughs) where it's like, well, I don't know, you know, before it's like, I can do this. I'm just like, Eh, I don't know. So, yeah, so I think that that's really important. Thank you so much for hanging out today and listening to my conversation with Caroline. I really love how she's taken that journalism background and uh, involved it into what she's doing today. And I have to say, I so very admire how driven she was early on to, to really build the career that she was after and that she has today. And, you know, I think it's paid off. And I know that we joked during the show that it can be a real struggle being a publicist. But, you know, as she mentioned at the tail end of the show, uh, those experiences really make it all worthwhile. So, um, yeah, it was great to finally talk to her, uh, in depth and and hear her backstory. So uh, a lot of fun and I'm so glad that you, uh, stuck around for the, uh, for the journey with us. So again, thank you so much for listening. Episode three is on the way in two weeks. Uh, so trying to stick to a bi-weekly cadence with the releases here and now we're on track to do that. So, so yeah, so please check back in uh, two weeks. Uh, you can find the show on Instagram at in this direction podcast and on Twitter at in this direction. Also, uh, if you want to subscribe on your platform of choice, uh, leave a review, uh, spread the word. Um, you know, the more, the more traction the show gets, uh, the more ears we get, the more it gets floated up to the top of lists and everything and gets, and gets placed. So, um, I do this out of the love of just sharing stories and talking to people. I'm, I'm certainly not in this to get sponsorships or anything like that. So, so yeah, so just doing it for the love of it. If you're enjoying it, please let me know. Uh, you can also drop me a line at in this direction podcast at gmail.com. Once again, this has been in this direction. I'm Quinn. Until next time, be rad, stay positive, much love.